This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Welcome to Nobody Likes Casey McLean. This is Casey McLean, the host of the very podcast that you are listening to. And today's guest is, well, he's a guy I'm thankful for. Uh, it's uh, it's Thanksgiving week. So this, this is uh, Brian Dennis. Brian Dennis is the security guard at Tacoma Comedy Club. He's it's his second comedy club he's worked at. We've we talk about it. Uh Brian is one of the first off, an extremely nice guy as a security guard. Also a guy that pays attention. Uh he pays attention for me specifically, he pays attention when I do comedy. And will give me like valuable feedback when he hears me do comedy. Uh, very nice guy. We talked about he worked at the parlor in Bellevue for several years before coming to Tacoma Comedy Club. And so we talked about uh, some of the differences between the two clubs, some of the funniest stories that he's uh, seen as a security guard, some of, some of the uh, the things he appreciates about his job. We talked a lot about our kids. Uh, Brian has three kids. He has a son that is like a high level athlete for his age. And he's got some uh, on his Instagram, which is this Instagram? Let's see. I know his, I think his, uh, oh, I'm burping. I, I've got this habit recently of burping into the mic and it's no good. Um, Brian Dennis. Brian Yogi Dennis. I meant to ask him what Yogi's all about. And then is he, that's on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Brian Yogi Dennis. Let's see if you're there. Brian Yogi Dennis on Instagram, a Y-O-G-I for Yogi. Um, Yeah, once again, Brian's really, really a fun, funny guy. He's an enormous dude. He's six foot eight. We talk about a lot of this on the podcast. So please enjoy. He's a listener to this podcast also. So I know you're listening, Brian. I know you're listening. And I just want you to know that I'm thankful for you, as corny as that is, on a podcast the week of Thanksgiving. Well, another nice thing about Brian, by the way, as a comic, um, is occasionally, if I'm performing on a show, you'll notice there's problem audience members. Or, if I'm even sitting and watching a show, you'll notice there's problem audience members. And one security guard or two security guards in a room. By the way, that's better than a lot of comedy clubs have, but they're going to miss people, or they're not going to realize right away when someone's doing something that's distracting other people. And Brian's a guy. Yeah, I snitch. That's what I'm getting at is I snitch. If you're in the audience, and I'm on the show, and you're acting like an asshole, even if it's not while I'm on stage, I'm snitching. I'm telling. I'm here. I'm there to help comics. All right. I hope you're having a, a fun week with your family on Zoom, a thousand miles away from each other. I'm having a uh, a very small gathering. I guess I guess that there's like I have a limited uh, what do they call it? Like a quarantine pod 
I have a limited quarantine pod. We don't all live together, but we, the only people that I've seen, uh, since the pandemic started on any kind of regular basis are immediate family members. And, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that after this, but for now, I would like you to enjoy, uh, my friend, Brian Yogi. We're going to figure out about Yogi, but Brian Dennis, uh, security guard at Tacoma Comedy Club. And uh, father of three, tall, dark, and handsome. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash caseymcclain. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh, man. You got a good little setup back there, man. Is that a diaper genie? No, it's not a diaper genie. It's, um, what do you call it? It's just a trash can. We have a diaper genie, though. I'm not. Uh, this is just, do you have a diaper genie? Did you ever have a diaper genie? No, no. Listen, man, how how much useless baby shit do you have? Oh, I mean a lot, but I mean, I'm, you, you better not disparage the diaper genie. That is not a useless, uh, baby item. Well, why? That's why you take extra grocery bags from Walmart. Yeah. And you just wrap that thing in plastic. It does the same thing. Just throw it outside like it's your dog poop. Here, here's the thing. Uh, and I, by the way, I, under, I recognize that I'm about to tell another parent, I, uh, a fun thing that I didn't realize was so annoying before we had a kid is, uh, how often people are willing to give you advice when they don't even have plans to have kids, right? <laughs> uh, oh man, I know it. And so that's like, uh, that's one thing. So I, but I also like, I'm also sensitive to the idea that you have, how many kids do you have? I have three kids. I have a fourteen year old girl, twelve year old boy, and a five year old girl. Okay. By the way, this is first off, first time I've ever uh, had a guest on in their car, I believe. Also the first it, cigarette well, smoking that's ever happened on this podcast. Well, I didn't think we I didn't think we were starting yet. Oh, so we're I, starting, I, baby. I, and again. You, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. But so the diaper genie this is the thing about the diaper genie is uh, it allows you to not have to go outside. If listen, if you have to go outside every time someone takes a <laughs> shit, just get an outhouse, right? Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's smart. I guess, I guess. I just as, as having three, and I remember the first one. We got all the we got the cribs, the bassinets, every who's a fuds and what's it that you yeah. could get for a baby. 
barely even used them once and then for the next ones just got what you need just give me a bunch of diapers yeah and I, so I'll, I'll figure it out well i think that so it's our first kid and we're like very planning people and we also all of our friends <laughs> we're the last of our friends to have kids also um uh, are like close friends so the uh, not not the last of our close friends because if anyone listens to this and you you are our close friend you person that's insecure listening to this podcast but uh most of our close friends have have had kids already and so we had like a little bit of intel going in and then oh man are you are you actually driving or are you parked no i'm not driving my my dumb wife locked her car she somebody pressed the button from inside the house oh i see they're pranking the the recording they don't want you to get famous off this they they know they they man see they don't they they they're always they're always holding me back but so so yes, we got a lot of the stuff that's like uh, we got two strollers, which was we actually requested two strollers. But the reason we got two strollers is we were like, well, this oh, one's small, and we can take it with us. Like, and then it turned out that we had a pandemic in the middle of any time we would have been using the like compact stroller, so we we didn't even use it. It's like sitting in the hallway behind that door. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's. The, so I guess like yes, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't use. Here's a, here's another thing. This is advice I got that I don't necessarily agree with, and I wish I would have fought back on this harder at the time. Is uh, people were like, "Your wife's gonna want to nest. Just let her nest. Don't stop her." And I and because of that, we we spent like six hundred bucks on a crib and a changing table that match, and the. the <laughs> The, the changing table becomes like a dresser for our daughter later, so it doesn't. We don't just like burn it uh, in a bonfire in our backyard. Mm-hmm. But uh, she still hasn't slept in that crib. We ended up the crib is too big to put in our bedroom, and because of the way our house is configured, she still sleeps in our bedroom for like this. This is the week we're getting. Uh, next week we're we're putting an end to it. But the, fourteen months ago. <laughs> We had this thing, and we actually had it like four months before she was born. It's a whole, it's a whole, mm-hmm. whole ordeal. So I wish I would have mm-hmm. fought against this like idea that your wife's gonna nest, so just let her be the dictator of your house anytime she feels like nesting. You know? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's partnership. But the crib is again, you're you're big and bold by getting her to sleep in the crib. That that's an awesome step. But for the first year, it's it's baby's in the bed. Baby's oh, right no. next to oh, no. right next to you. Oh no, Brian, you're gonna be proud of us, dude. This is the our only like we've made like two good decisions as parents <clears throat> that go against what everyone told us. Uh, she's never slept in our bed. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God, I'm 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 still dealing with the five year old wanting to wanting to get in my bed my five-year-old is a giant so when the kids get in my bed i get out of my bed yeah you guys need like just just to have a one of your because i've so i've only seen i think pictures of your son i'm sure i've seen pictures of the other but your son's always doing something that i find interesting like playing basketball or football so maybe Mm -hmm. i just only remember pictures of your son or maybe i'm a sexist brian maybe that's what it is but uh no <laughs> when uh my boy is uh, he's, he's special and he's very good at the things he he does so it's it's really easy to post him he's got that big dick dad energy <laughs> but yeah you need you guys need like a like a an orgy bed to fit your family on <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, anyway, that was, uh, that was an unfortunate tour. Any, but, uh, so never slept her in the bed. And also we only gave her vegetables for like when she started eating baby food, we gave Uh her exclusively vegetables for like the first three months. So you had a lot of green poop for the first couple. I mean, yeah, that's the, you, 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 what you gain is like, she'll eat anything. She's gotten, she's not picky at all. Put anything in front of her. She'll eat it. What you lose is, uh, well, what I got every morning actually was like a free COVID test because every morning I knew I had a sense of smell. You you get vegetables, you get the vegetable farts, you get the vegetable poop. (laughs) Oh, I know. Oh gosh. Oh, I can, I can, that's something that you, as a parent, you never forget that diaper smell. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, you know, the other thing they tell, they told us, this is like, uh, gross, but so by the way, uh, I've rewritten like five Louis CK jokes about, uh, baby shit. He has the best baby shit jokes that have ever existed. There's no, I'll never write a better baby joke. I know we're not allowed to say he's good, but like I've rewritten so many of his jokes and been like, oh, that's just basically the Louis joke. But they always tell you, you hear this anytime you have a girl, they're like, you have to make sure you wipe front to back and what i thought that meant was <laughs> wiping front to back would keep everything out of uh her <laughs> vagina out of what out I, of everything what i didn't realize is that when a baby shits it's like a grenade goes off in their diaper and there's shrapnel everywhere <clears throat> okay like there's no there's no keeping oh, it out doctor. yeah mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. you got there's, there's situations where you have to open things and clean inside yeah it's just grenade going off is a perfect way to describe it it's you're you're just just oh yeah well and it's also you're like you're doing like triage too you're like you you got this disaster in front of you and you're like listen there's shit on the sheet the sheet leave the sheet behind okay (laughs) leave the sheet it's not gonna make it leave the sheet behind Like yes, did it, did you lose one arm to the to the poop grenade? Yes, but you got to get over it because we got to get out of this mess. Like yeah, it's yeah. a lot of uh, it's a lot of. I, what I've noticed is my dog thinks she's in trouble every time my my daughter takes a shit. My dog thinks she's in trouble because the level of intensity in our house re- reaches a level that makes her think she's in trouble. It it can get real serious, and see, you're still you're still at that young age. I, there's a lot of situations and I think they were mostly my fault, you know, cause you know, as a dad, when you're taking the kids out, you don't necessarily bring everything. Yeah. You bring what you need. So there was a lot of scenarios where I was, uh, holding my kids up so they could take a poop behind the tree because we didn't have <laughs> enough, his dad didn't bring enough diapers. So I'm, I'm, man, I've, I've, I've been in it. I've been in the shit. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, so you're, uh, we should, I guess, talk about who you are. You're the security guard and door guy and probably food runner and a variety of things at Tacoma Comedy Club, which is my home club. Um, But this isn't your first rodeo because I actually met you when you worked at the parlor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let me tell you a thing about you that I find very... uh, is very endearing, I think. I think I only met you at the parlor one time. Uh, one weekend. Like, multiple days, mm. but one weekend. It was, uh, right. I was emceeing for Mark Vieira uh, the last time Mark Vieira was at the parlor, because the parlor ended up closing. Right. 
and and then when it closed and you ended up at Tacoma Comedy Club, I genuinely believe you remember me. Now, let me tell you this, Brian, you have a politician quality where it's possible that you were like, I remember that face, not a name, not even if I like him, but I remember him, so I'm going to be nice. Or you loved me <laughs> from the time we met. Uh, I remember, again, I've, I've met so many comics that there are very few that stick with me. And the ones that stick with me, they, 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 they had something special right off the bat. And again, you stuck with me, but also that Mark Vieira weekend was a good weekend for me. Uh, uh, Mark, uh, I gave Mark some tips on some things to do. I sent him over to the, the museum of pop back when you could actually oh, yeah. do stuff. And he, uh, he had a great time with his wife and kid. And I remember that weekend cause he he gave me a lot of money. I got a big tip that weekend, <laughs> so you're kind of, you're you're lumped into that big tipper weekend. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever been attached to a lot of money, uh, giving anyone a lot of money. That's nice. Uh, yeah, that was a fun weekend. And he, by the way, like I've uh, I think I've said it on this podcast before, but I was trying to get that hosting weekend there for like two years. Uh, I did an open mic at that club, and Manny. The next day was like, hey, can you uh, host like a Thursday for Jay Hollingsworth, who I'm friends with, past uh, past podcast guest. And um, I was like, oh, well, I'm just in at the parlor. And then it took 18 months or something like that to get back. Are you frozen right now? You're frozen on my side. No, I'm not frozen. I'm listening to your story. No, I'm sorry. I, I'll be, I'll be, I'll pop in to make sure I'm still moving. No, I'm just li- listening intently. Okay. And I know the parlor was was tough to get in, yeah. but if you got in, they, they, you're in. They loved you. Yeah, and I didn't. I just wasn't. Uh, it didn't exist long enough for them to love me. But by the way, you certainly are frozen on my side because it's you can't be this still. There you go. Now I see you moving again. Uh. Yeah, so so I was like, oh, I'm just in, and then Manny never, like, it took 18 months, and then that weekend, I think, like, what I didn't realize, because I had never actually attended a normal weekend show at Parlor, is that the MC there did a lot of crowd work, usually, uh, which is, I think, more of, like, an East Coast thing, and I don't know what, mm-hmm. and maybe even, like, uh, a black room thing. And I didn't do a lot of crowd work because mm-hmm. I came up at Tacoma Comedy Club where they're like, they literally send the MC a list of things. And like the number one thing on the list is do not do crowd work. Uh, so for, for the MC. So <laughs> I think I had like a fine weekend, but I always wanted another crack at it to go like be a little looser and not worried about not doing crowd work. And I never got it because obviously it closed. So, were you sad that the parlor closed? I, uh, uh, you know, I was sad because I was sad the comedy part of it. The, the, the hard part about that job was that, you know, you would have to do, you would do your two comedy shows a night mm-hmm. and they are what they are, some good, some bad. But I also had to work the nightclub, you know, the pool yeah. hall and the bar. So I always have a foot in the room making sure it didn't go crazy and then a foot outside ready to deal with stupid bar. So it was really taxing, but the comedy mm-hmm. side of it was always great. I, I had some of the greatest shows I've ever seen 
were in that room. Some of the livest audiences. Some of the, some of the the craziest shows. I mean, I saw I saw Brody Stevens do oh. a show for that started with ten people and ended with two because he walked the entire room, and it was the <laughs> one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Yeah, that's those are the... him. He 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 him drumming. Oh my god, him drumming on people's desks, tables to finish the show for the last fifteen minutes was it. it it was something I'd never, never would have thought I, I would have loved so much, but it was amazing. That's funny. Yeah. It's funny how those, like those stories where things don't go well are the stories that we like where it's like, that's fun. If you're a comedy fan, like that's a legendary story, mm-hmm. but as an audience member that maybe goes to a comedy club twice a year. And one of the times it's Brody Stevens drumming on your table. Yeah. Oh, it, because that thing you're talking about is like you're talking about a very specific i think like inside comedy enjoyment thing which is basically watching uh somebody bomb in a way that's like (laughs) magnificent right and brody stevens is legendary i think for being able to uh bomb in magnificent ways uh R.I.P. Brody Stevens. Uh, I think we're approaching his. R.I.P. R.I.P. Of course. Yeah, I think he, I think we're approaching the two year anniversary. Of his uh, death. I, I... Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, tell me, because we we were talking yesterday. You've seen so, so the parlor got also like a different type of comedian for a while than Tacoma Comedy Club did, which is they got famous people for a long time mm-hmm. and like they would get the people like kevin pollock there's a bunch of posters in there and i would i would just anytime i was in that green room i would just look and i'd be like fucking kevin because i know kevin pollock does comedy but i don't know that he like uh-huh. does comedy clubs like that you know what i mean <laughs> oh i could tell you i well the funny thing again kevin pollock kevin pollock because because of who he is and you know usual suspects and all that it was one of those ones that, that i remember yeah the the big thing i remember is you know i, I try to get a picture with everybody at the end of the weekend he would not take a picture with me if we were standing up it had to be sitting down oh, that's because funny. he is fucking tiny yeah like tiny 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 uh but it's all impressions uh they're very good but you know that's you have to be really into that yeah. For that to be something that you you know you want to see five times in a weekend. Yeah, and we should clarify that you're uh, like six foot eight, six foot nine. Uh, I'll go. I'll take uh, six eight with uh, with shoes on, six seven in socks. Okay, and that's actually the reason why we're doing this remotely. You're actually sitting uh, in my house, but you're in a different room because you can't fit in the room that I'm in. Yeah, there's not enough leg room, but, you know, you know, I need to stretch out sometimes. You're sitting in the upstairs bathroom with a microphone. <laughs> and uh, and then we were talking yesterday about, because that's another, the other thing is like, uh, so I, I, I've told this story on the podcast, I think before, but um, I'm going to tell it to you because you'll relate for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, so I did, when I was brand new at Tacoma Comedy Club, I would do every job they asked uh without anything that i didn't get a w-2 for basically i would be i was i did uh including like um i sat people i took i I checked ids i've done a bunch of sound stuff for them um 
I, I don't know. I've done, a, I've done like a bunch of stuff and I did two completely sold out weekends, uh, checked IDs there. One for, I guess, well, for Jubal Fresh, uh, and one for, oh gosh. one for Arnez J. Uh, do you know who Arnez J is? I don't know if you ever did a parlor. Uh, I, he came to the parlor. I, I would take select weekends off based on how many, you know, what I, so he, he, I took his weekend off his, you know, he's, uh, he didn't need me. Gotcha. So, well, yeah, he's definitely but, like, uh, uh, he's like, I've heard, I've heard legends of like Gary Owen being like, yeah, don't, if anyone's heckling, don't do anything. Right. Like he just lets, he takes care of it is the, his reputation. But so. So Arnez J is mm-hmm. like a completely sold out weekend. Crowd is like ninety five percent black. Jubal's weekend, it's like ninety five percent white. And I'm working the door, and I noticed some stuff uh, that I think is like interesting, which is so four completely sold out Arnez J shows. One person did not have their ID one person and it was like a 65 year old dude that got very mad that i made sure the manager came because you know like the job right the job is like you know the i'm on camera right i'm supposed to be checking everyone's id also also this isn't my look at all of them i know right and it's not even my job like i'm just doing this so the club will like me like it's not like i'm this is my yeah it's not my job i'm genuinely just doing it hoping they'll book me on shows at a later date you know what i mean uh and at the Jubal show, I think like thirty percent of the women did not have their ID. <laughs> like every every single person, every time like a woman came in, and if if she like didn't, you know, you know, I, I'm sure, I know you've seen this where people they walk in and you're there, like you, especially you, like you are a presence. It is hard to miss Brian Dennis when you walk in that club, mm-hmm. and then they just walk past you like you're not there for any reason. <laughs> like we, oh gosh yeah like we just posted yeah, this that, six that, foot eight dude at the door for decoration do you know what i mean like he's not right, ready to do uh, anything yeah so those and, uh i i i your observations are 100 percent correct the uh as they were called at the parlor i don't know what they call them come comedy club but the urban shows the 95 percent black shows sure every black person has their id all the time in case shit and the right. person that doesn't like the old man like you said got real indignant yeah. when you were like i need to see that id yeah and i feel like he might have even had his id he just because it because it's not like we check you like at that part of it you're just checking to make sure people are 21 it's not anything to do with like who they actually yeah. are it's just to know if they're 21 and i almost feel like he had his id and just right. wanted to like prove a point to me uh, which, you know, I understand there's like a million, uh, reasons for that. I also, uh, you and I have been at the door. I'll tell you, I don't have this experience, but we were at the door. Maybe I think I was on the show just talking to you, but, uh, you had a woman become very interested in you. Uh, she didn't even need to get to know your personality, Brian. <laughs> she was, uh, very interested in you sexually. Haven't had that experience myself. <laughs> Um, but that, that was, uh, I, uh, go ahead. 
<laughs> Tell me how sexy you are. Bro. I you you get that a lot, and you know I. Oh I no, 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 no 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 no! That's wrong. That's wrong. You get that a lot. I don't get okay. that a lot. <laughs> I I get it a lot, and you know I'm 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 turning the corner on forty, so I've been doing the you know I got a lot of years behind me, and I've come to realize it is the uh, if it's if it's a white lady between I'd say forty five and sixty five. If I flash the smile right and I bat my eyes at her, I could, I could sugar baby it up. I know it, and I can just tell right when they walk in the door. That group of four old lady, older women coming to uh, have a girls' night out. She, they, <laughs> and it's always white women. The black women, hey, you know, the, whatever it is, they don't. They they ain't trying to fuck with me. I let me say women, the one that I remember. It was a black woman. I will say that. Oh. However, however, she was with I think three white women. <laughs> and I think if we're going off of behavior, she was acting very similar to those three white women. Uh, uh, I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. So, uh, they, uh, yeah, they, they're so, I don't know. They, they seem to, I'm aware of the effect I have on women. Do you think it's, because it's, let me, let me just, uh, I'm going to cut you down a couple inches, I suppose. It's my suspicion is you're not rocking like a uh, super defined six pack. Uh, I think you're like a handsome enough guy, but I don't think you're like, you know, what's the dude, uh, Shamar Moore. You're not like that. Like if you were, here's what I'm saying. If you were five, six, I don't think it's happening. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. So I think, I think what it is, is I have a very, when I want to, I have a very commanding and loud voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, paired with the fact that I'm 6'8", when they turn and see that, it's, I think it, it kind of weakens their knees. I think, <laughs> I think it's my voice. And, and how I can, I can kind of command a line and command a group of people mm-hmm. with just a couple words. Did, so you, I also have this, I have this wonder about comedy club staff because uh especially so like the wait staff there's a couple things that i think are advantageous about a comedy club one is you make all of your money in four hours basically and you make you have like (laughs) essentially like as if, if you were in a restaurant it would be like you have a full section for four hours uh so I think that's an advantage. So it's like maybe like a little more money per hour. Those hours are very stressful. But if you're not mm-hmm. on the wait staff, you just got to like comedy, right? Like you must like comedy. Well, I was so the Tacoma Comedy Club. I, club. I 100% agree with that statement. There, you, you, you. The wait, the wait staff there really likes comedy. At the parlor when it was open, I would say that place was more like Hooters. The girls treated oh, sure. it as like they were strippers trying to get as much money out of the people at the table as possible. I would believe that there were weekends when the girls didn't even know the, what comic was on stage. Damn. That's interesting. Because, yeah, like, but that's, oh, that's funny you say that. Because I don't, I don't know that I noticed that then, but the, I did, I would say that, like, the, uh, there was a flirtation uh, at the parlor that does not exist at Tacoma Comedy Club. 
Um, no, nah, they wanted. They were. They trained. They were trained to get every dollar. It was a Hooters situation for them. They they dressed the part, and uh, if you got that's that's where I learned to I, at that place was where you stayed out of the server's way because you were you were fucking up their money if you got in their way. I see. So that's uh. But but my real question is like as security, you're not as incentivized by tips. I know that some places um. You know, we don't need to get the IRS involved in your finances, Brian, but I know that some places maybe uh, tip out different people. But my, uh, you must like comedy specifically. Like, the, like to be a security guard, you're one of the few, the rare security guards at a comedy club that doesn't want to be a comedian. Or maybe you do, and and you're uh, using this opportunity here to to make a name on my podcast. Well, I you know I, I did I was going to save it for the end, but we will be making that announcement. So I, I uh, <laughs> you have a tour. You know, I kind of I I, I uh, initially I started secure working security. I worked at the the strip club down by Safeco, the All American. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I worked there with my brother. I worked there for a little bit, and then I went to the parlor. When I went to the parlor, it was just a security job. Uh, I was just kind of there. Oh, I see. And just in seeing five shows a weekend for five years, I really, really learned to to, to love comedy. That's the oh, best that's cool. part of it is 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 meeting you know meeting people that that are great that I really like you know meeting the DL Hughleys. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, people, people like meeting meet giants like that. I mean, that's cool. But also learning to learning about the Casey McClain, sure. the Chase Myers, Travis Nelson's, Manny Martin's, mm-hmm. that level of comedy. That was that's what that was. I really, really love, really, really dig. You know, seeing the new people because when you get when you get to a certain level of being a famous comedian, there's only so many jokes you can tell. Mm-hmm. So I, I've heard I've heard them all. Yeah. especially the number of shows I've seen. And it's always, it's you guys, the new guys, the up and comers that, uh, that are really still putting a little effort into it. Yeah. I've heard the, the, I might be quoting Louis CK for a second time or mentioning him, but I think he, he's the one that said the comedians are funnier when they're riding the bus because I mean, I think part of it is like, I can, mm-hmm. my, my life struggles are relatable. Whatever uh, DL Hughley's going through, is different from what most of the audience is going through. But me, I'm an every man. Like I'm what I'm going through is what everybody's going through. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're we're living in Tacoma. I got three kids. You got you got one kid and yeah. we're kind of, you know, we just you know, we I, we could relate. Yeah. It, it's a little different, but we can relate and you know, like DL Hughley, he's drinking $10,000 fucking bourbon. Yeah. And before his shows, as and it's, and getting Ezel's brought up by Mister Ezel to kick it and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a uh... uh, DL Hughley was a uh, DL Hughley was a tough show. He uh, he drinks the entirety of from the second he steps foot in oh, whatever really? city he's at. He's he's drinking the entirety of his show on stage. He's drinking, and with comics like that, the seven thirty show is great because they're mm-hmm. a little sober. But the fucking ten thirty show is just a mess. Him slurring his words, drinking, and that and comics like that encourage the audience to get uh, to get weird. And that that was uh, D.L. Hughley is one of the last times uh, I had somebody try to get up on stage. There was a oh, super boy. drunk lady, super drunk lady. Her boobs were falling out of her dress. She was barefoot, and she was uh, 
walking from in the parlor, basically from where they let you in. She was just walking towards the stage, yelling, yelling, simply soulful, simply soulful, <laughs> just yelling these words, walking to the stage. And I meet her kind of in front of the stage in the middle of the aisle. And she's just yelling, simply soulful, simply soulful. And DL is, is, is just telling her to be quiet or I'm a, and, and you're getting kicked out. But I had to carry this simply soulful woman out. And I under, and finally, her husband was kind of kind of waited for me to kick her out and then walked out behind me sheepishly, hat in hand kind of shit. But he told me simply soulful is the restaurant that she owns. Oh, no. And anytime anybody ever asked me for it's like a soul food place. I, I tell them this story about this crazy ass owner because it, it just gave me such a hard time that night. I will never forget it and I will never eat that. Oh, that makes me kind of want to eat there. There's a certain amount of crazy that I think that let's see if I'm going to see if simply soulful still open. I might, I might have to go there tonight. Oh. Simply soulful. Is it in Bellevue? Simply do you think? soulful. I, I think it was Seattle. Oh, it is Seattle. Uh, it is, it is still open. It's on uh it's on Grubhub. It is uh 4.3 stars on Google 4.5 on Yelp. Simply soulful in Seattle. <laughs> free, free plug just to make Brian mad. That's uh, oh, gosh. that's funny. It's also like, do you ever think? Um, and I, I, I don't know a ton about your life, but my presumption is that your wife and you are not. Neither of you are um, like those kind of stumbling alcoholics. Uh, I, I don't drink. I rarely, rarely drink uh, sure. special occasions. I, I'm not going to say I won't have a drink cause I'll have a drink after work sometimes. Right. But I'm not, I'm not drinking at home. I don't have much alcohol at home. My wife likes a little tequila every now and then she's a little punchy and a little, okay. little violent. Okay. So, you know, in a good way, I don't want, I don't want this to get on the internet. You know, there's a think. hand signal for domestic abuse. I think it's this, if you do this oh, on, a, on a zoom, if she's, oh, oh. <laughs> If that, if that, uh, that, if that, uh, what's that called? Like a uh, knit, if that's a knit sweater, that's her arm in the, in the frame there. And she's secretly abusing you, Brian. I'm, uh, that's probably not something people want to hear me. Joke I don't about. know. I don't know if there's a secret <laughs> signal or anything, but no, she, she likes to drink a little bit, and, but I, I'm a smoker. I enjoy, I enjoy good, uh, good puff of some uh, marijuana from time okay. to time. But so, but so the thing about uh, weed period, but also like my main point is. I feel very lucky that my wife is not a an approach the stage at a comedy show type of drinker because I just can't whenever I meet whenever you're like at a the so the only time I've ever been uh mad on stage was actually a show um booked by Travis Nelson the aforementioned Travis Nelson and we went to this is a, this is I have an, a comedy club theory that I think uh, you'll agree with. Uh, it was at a brewery in Chehalis, and a woman showed up there, a white woman in either her late thirties or early thirty or early forties, showed up there on her birthday. Now, when you check IDs at a comedy club, you're just normally you're just checking to see if the person is older than twenty one. But I think there should be an added layer. Where if the person, if it is their birthday, they either are denied entry or they have to sit way in the back of the comedy club. I uh, I will never understand, unless it's your favorite comic of, on the planet Earth, 
why you would take a birthday party, a group of people to sit down at a comedy show. Yeah. It is it is insane. And you've checked IDs the second I see that that birthday is there and see that there's a group of four, four, four five, six ladies behind. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, shit. Because I know, I know you're going to be an issue because it's your birthday. You want to be the center of attention on your birthday. And in this room, you can't be in the center of attention. Yeah, I remember my, so my sister is uh, much like me, like a recreational drinker. Um, mm-hmm. And one year, sometime after I started doing comedy, she said to me, I think I want to go to the comedy club for my birthday. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was with like six people. And I'm like, I just would make sure that everybody likes comedy because yes. because not everybody does. And that's fine. But also, if they don't like comedy and they start making, like, they they get distracted and don't want to pay attention to the show anymore, it's going to be a problem. And she goes, well, actually, it's my birthday. I wouldn't mind having a little extra attention myself. And I've never heard someone, I've never heard someone describe the psychology in, I think, the most accurate way possible. Like, my sister said that, and it's kind of like a, like a kind of ugly thing to say, right? It's like, oh, I want extra attention. But that's mm. that's more honest and probably more accurate than any other reason people do that. Oh, I, I agree. Hecklers are uh, sometimes are good, but most of the times they're not. But yeah, I think it's an attention thing. And I just think, you know, anybody that jumps up and says something in the show or says something, I, I think of them I, when I approach them. I, I think about like I'm approaching a 12 year old child. Yes. You know, they're old enough where they understand right and wrong. But if you yell at them too hard or say the wrong thing, they will cry. Mm-hmm. If the people in that room start crying, I'm in for trouble. So you, so you have to tell them, you know, correct them in such a way that they understand that what they're doing is wrong, but they're not in trouble. Yeah. So, so I go to this show in Chehalis and uh, this woman in her late 30s, early 40s, it's her birthday, and she starts talking. And as a comic, you like, here's my thing. This is my rule for everything comedy-related. If it's a roast, if it's a another show, all I want is the show to be the funniest it can be. So I've done, like, roast battles with people, and I will literally be like, here's a joke you can use against me that will do well, because... The show will be funnier, and who gives a fuck mm-hmm. who wins? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. you're winning fake points at the end of the day. Just be the funniest you can on stage. Right. Let's all be the funniest we can be. And so, mm-hmm. when an audience member starts talking, your first move is to just make it funny. And then at some point, it starts to impede on your ability to be funny. So now you want to make it stop. And then at some point, the way to make it stop is to just piss this person off so much that they leave yeah which i think like if you do comedy long enough you'll you will have gone through all of these things there's and there's i'm not saying that it's like ever listen you don't want to say something horrible to people but you're not always sad when they leave angry uh but this lady couldn't i went through all of the progressions i uh i I tried to be funny got the crowd laughing she kept talking i uh tried to just ask her to stop she would not stop and then I, I reached a point where I was making her angry and I was angry. And then what I realized is, uh, first off, her husband, who was laughing 
for most of it, was sitting right next to her, which I didn't realize. I thought she was single and was there uh, with like a group of non-attached people. But there was a point where his loyalty shifted from <laughs> wanting her to shut up to like now all of a sudden there's a dude on stage uh like belittling his wife and he mm-hmm. has to swing his dick and what i realized is listen if i beat this guy up or he beats me up it doesn't matter like this is not a good uh this is not a good situation for me to be in in a fucking small town where everybody knows each other She's there with like five people, and I actually was there with also the aforementioned Chase Myers. No, uh, Travis was <laughs> Travis wasn't in attendance, but it's me, Chase Myers, and Roger Lazola, who are not <laughs> we're not taking care of business in a country brewery bar fight. Do you know what I mean? Oh, uh, Roger can hold his own, man. He'll headbutt some dudes in the dick. Yeah, he and and Chase and I will try to stand behind him. As he's headbutting dudes in the dick. <laughs> well, I don't know. Chase has Chase has been acting pretty tough on that podcast he does with with his Josh Watts, the buckets and buckets. Mm-hmm. He's told some pretty tough stories, so I think he can handle himself. He's lying. I know. I, most of you guys <laughs> are. I know. That's that's the one thing. One thing you learn pretty quickly where I stand. It's all bullshit. It's it's thirty percent true, ninety percent I'm padding this shit to make it fun. Yeah, and I w- that's the best part. I'll occasionally get like a text from my mom because my mom truly does listen to this podcast, and I've basically had to divorce myself from caring about that. Like, just I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about, and it's your fault if you listen. Uh, but she'll send me something where she's like, "This is not actually true." And uh, what do you got going on here? What? 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 You got like a? Are you getting a coffee order? What's going on? What happened? Can you hear me? Sorry, uh, my 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 phone connected to my wife's car. Oh. She's <laughs> messing around with it. In the group. So, it. It's connected to your car. I couldn't hear him. Is is your wife listening to me now? She's just got no with no context. I'm just talking she- to your wife. That, yes, she, yes, she heard you talking, sitting in her car. <laughs> oh, can I point out that you have pink fingernails and we haven't addressed it yet? Uh, well, you're again. You have a daughter, yeah. uh, and in a couple years, she will get to the point where she wants to paint nails. Okay, and uh, if you fall asleep after a long day of work yesterday, she gets the hand that's kind of out, and you know, I got got. Okay, because my wonder was if you're just like. Six foot eight, you're like pushing uh five hundred pounds. And uh if you just <laughs> But if you if you just like are like uh this is like an invitation to fuck with you. It's like, yes, I have these pink fingernails. Please say something about it. Nah man, I've been through this twice, man. Just wait. I had my older daughter did it too. My toes are painted too, but you just ain't gonna see those. <laughs> my, my, I have uh, I think my toes, I might, they might have their own built-in deterrence for my daughter. Um. <laughs> anyway, my my mom will text me occasionally and be like, "This this thing you said on the podcast, this is actually how it happened," and I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Like it's funnier the way that I said it though. Like that's the, that's the point is. It's way less funny if I give the details you're giving or if I give everybody the most generous and nice interpretation of their behavior, right? Like, 
it's it's funny and you're the only she's the only my my wife doesn't listen to the podcast like just my mom is the only person in my family and so that's fine that's the way i'd prefer it in fact uh if we lost uh if she you know took an episode off every now and then i might uh if i knew which one it was going to be i might really go hog wild on that episode but <laughs> uh your son plays football Mm-hmm. Do you have, I've asked this, I used to ask this on my sports podcast all the time, but are you, do you have any worry? So I would ask people before they had kids, like, will, would you let your son play football if you had a son? And uh, luckily I got a daughter, so I don't have to make that decision. Like, uh, there's not high impact football for um, girls right now, but do you have any, are you worried at all about like the concussion shit? You know, I uh, I played sports all mm-hmm. my life. My brother played sports. My brother, I was a basketball player in the family. My brother is 6'4". He was a football, football player in the family. Sure. And, uh, you know, my dad coached football and everything. And I understand as an athlete, uh, there, there, it's, it, all it takes is one moment. And, yeah. and every year, you know, something bad can happen. Uh, I mean, my daughter, who I, I coach her basketball team, she, uh, she's gotten a concussion in a basketball game. She sure. hit her head on the floor, got a concussion. And my son hit his head on the turf when he got tackled and got a concussion. So, I mean, it's going to happen, and it could happen doing anything. So, yeah. I mean, and I, I, God, I can't I can't not. You, you know, you get a Ferrari, you can't keep it in the garage. My son is. <laughs> How tall is he? I, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be braggy, but my boy is six foot, uh, one hundred ninety five pounds, and twelve years old. Yeah, yeah. He's every time you post a picture of him, he makes it's like it's like you standing next to me, but on a uh, on a uh, youth football field, basically. Mm-hmm. He yes, again that. Uh, for basketball, it does, you know, because he's tall, we don't really get as much heat. But in football games, we have to have our, his birth certificate with us. Yeah. Somebody's going to say something. And I tell you what, when your son jumps over three little, three normal-sized boys, catches a touchdown and runs 50 yards, you're going to get salty looks. And yeah. walking around, man, it's, it, it feels like your dick's dragging on the ground, bro. <laughs> I, I have never felt more pride and more fuck all you guys. That's my boy than watching him on that football field. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. By the way, I'm uh I'm five ten, but if I when I was single, I was five eleven. So, um, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, oh, you stood up straighter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I the other thing about him though is because. Well, don't they do football? Don't at some ages they do football by weight, don't they? Uh, they do in some states. Oh, uh, okay. the league he's in is by age, and okay. you can find leagues where they do it by weight. I see. But uh, well, that would put him uh, with like fourteen-year-olds or something like that. Yeah, because you know when when you're twelve, there's you can be a good twelve-year-old, but the difference between say a twelve-year-old and a fourteen-year-old physically, mm-hmm. that's not something athletic. So you know you're going to get beat up. You're just not as strong as the person that age. So I wouldn't for basketball. I would play him up. He can play against high school kids. I don't sure. give a shit. Basketball kind of works that way, but football, uh-uh. He's not getting his clock keep clean by some fucking pimply fourteen-year-old. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Is that so? That's interesting because I think that there's a 
in basketball specifically, or I played baseball growing up, and I know this was true of baseball and maybe soccer, I mean, maybe every sport besides football, there is a thing where it's like playing a bet against the best competition you can find. As long as you're like close enough to their level is the, is the best way to get better. Right. But in football, mm -hmm. I suppose like this is kind of the, the consequence of all the head injury. I mean, football has got every possible injury type in high doses, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's got bad knee injuries, bad ankle injuries. Um, and so, yeah, I, I suppose playing older kids or bigger kids, um, would be a problem. I had a friend when we played baseball, by the way, he was in, uh, when we were in seventh grade, he could grow a beard way better than my beard right now. Like wire brush, like a tight wire brush beard. Uh, when we were in God, what, how old were we? Like probably ninth grade. I know that this is what I know. <laughs> Our parents were dropping us off at a place where we would play video games until like the early morning and he could buy porn and tobacco without getting ID'd back then in when we were in like ninth grade. And so I, I never uh, smoked tobacco back then, but my, they, like him and my buddy would uh, smoke cigars and we would get porn. We would like leave this. You're, you're from this area. Where are you from, Brian? Uh, Linwood uh, up North. Okay. Uh, I went to Meadowdale high school up North. Okay. So imagine this. You know Federal Way, right? I know Federal Way, yeah, buddy. So on Pacific Highway, where that like, uh, where that Asian district is, there's like a uh, as you're going north, it's on the right. There's like a convenience store, and then a bunch of like Asian restaurants, and maybe like a pool okay, hall. I'm familiar, I think I've eaten out there. Yeah, I'm familiar. When Counter Strike was a big game, they used to have this place that would have like LAN parties. It was called Game Game Revolution. Oh. And uh, this is, by the way, irrelevant to you. I just have, haven't told the story ever on this. Uh, oh, on this... No, I'm in it. I'm in it. I, I'm, I'm in for a good land party story. I was at basketball practice most of the time, so I didn't get into video games that much. But you tell me that your your your, your computer wizard stuff. Let's hear. Uh, well, I was very bad at this game for the same reason. Me and my friend Matt, who's the guy with the wire brush, we would go and just get our asses kicked at Counter Strike. But we would we would be there till three in the morning. By the way, that's like a bad part of Federal Way. Like that's oh yeah. I remember we would like we were like oh this is the, like it, you'd point up at this like uh, light post and you're like oh those are those are gun holes <laughs> like those are those are bullet holes in this in this light post. There's like Ben is shooting in that parking lot and uh, I don't know how we all convinced our parents this was like a place that we could go. Um, but like anyways, so I was in it more for like the being away from my parents. I was I discovered Red Bull for the first time then. My buddy Matt would buy porn at this Asian grocery store. We would uh there was a another back then like it was weird. So there was this LAN set up where it was like 30 computers and you'd pay by the hour at Game Game Revolution GGR. Um but if you go into like a pool hall, they'd have like two computers set up on the same network at the pool hall and then you go into like a convenience store and you could pay for hours that like everybody was connected to this counter-strike game it was really strange but uh yeah that's uh i don't know how, i don't i don't remember what the point of this was except for my friend was old enough he we, he was buying we he bought everybody porn all through like from uh 14 to 18 and then we used to gamble the porn against each other instead of money uh, can I can I ask a question? Yeah. How, do, how how did you gamble 
So it was, this was the, how did you gamble the porn? Tell me that. So everybody put like a DVD up as the, as their buy-in. Oh God. There were DVDs, not mag. Oh God. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, there was magazines too. My, my, uh, my, my mom tells this story like as though it's going to embarrass me, but one, uh, one year, I think I was 17. I know my, so my parents were divorced. This is how I know because we, uh, we went to like a, christmas thing where my my dad and i my my dad my sister and i went to visit my grandma and uh i I had like a notoriously messy bedroom growing up and my mom i came back and my mom cleaned my room and when you walk Um, into like a like a newly cleaned room as a kid that's 17 i was like oh fuck oh so i check uh, where's the check the weed stash where's my pipe oh no where's the alcohol oh no Oh no, she found everything. I pull open the porn drawer and my friends used to say that she alphabetized my porn. She didn't alphabetize it, but the only thing she didn't throw away was the porn. And she had neatly stacked these magazines in order, like small to big size. And the DVDs were organized. And, uh, then you have like, as a, like basically at that point as a kid, it's like, I got to go turn myself in. There's too much evidence against me. I can't, I can't get out of this. Yeah, you look like a, you're you're a better kid to to walk up and own that shit. Yeah, so that was uh, I was I was 17 because I remember she found chewing tobacco and she's like, "What? How long have you been chewing?" And I'm like, "I don't know, maybe like six months." And she's like, "Well, you can't oh. do." She goes, "You can't do that in my house." And I was like, "Okay." And then it happened again when I was like maybe 18 and a half, and she goes, yeah. uh, "She goes, yeah, I said you can't do that in my house," and I'm like. Okay, I'm moving out then, because like I'm not gonna quit. Obviously, I'm addicted because I'm still doing it. So like, uh, I'm an adult. I can legally do this. And then she, uh, I lived there for like another two and a half years. I gotta. So when people talk about dipping, my my brother dips a little bit, mm. and when he was younger, he would dip. Uh, he would dip the flavored skull. Yeah, and I would do it with him sometimes. Uh, you know, we he he. Uh, we would get Mariners tickets, and he would dip at the Mariners game. And I remember I got so drunk, and I threw in a skull apple mm-hmm. dip, and I, I I threw up over the all, all over the guy in front of me, and maybe two or three rows out projectile oh, no. vomited. Uh, and and I don't remember getting home. I don't remember. You had to be drinking then too. I uh, yeah, I was dr- Yeah, I was drinking. Okay. But all I remember from that night is the taste of that skull fucking apple. And if you open a tin of that shit, I promise you, I will vomit all over. It's funny. Oh. It's But the reason that you like the apple, because I remember when the apple came out, the reason you like the apple is because at first it smelled the best. It was the best smelling one. Yeah, it, it had that fake apple smell with a yeah. little bit of the, the fresh it's, tobacco. and oh. smelled like an apple Jolly Rancher. Yeah, I have. Uh, it's funny how that works. So I don't. I, don't, I haven't chewed in uh, like eight years or something like that. I'm. I'm uh, not. I smoke like two cigars a year, but other than that, completely tobacco free. And uh, mm. but I remember the smell of. I started with Copenhagen Long Cut, and uh, oh, that is like a very me. distinct and non-flattering smell. And I could still, my, I had a, I was sharing an office with a guy a couple of years ago at a job and I literally walked in and I go, you chew, don't you? And he's like, why would you say that? Cause he had like just a tiny pinch in his cheek and he never spit or anything uh-huh. like that. And I was like, yeah, it smells like Copenhagen in here every day. And he's like, you pick the brand. 
You knew the brand? <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, see, yeah, it smells like Coke. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's, it is a very distinct still, smell. Uh, do you still snap your fingers? No, yeah, it's funny. Do you still you... snap your fingers? you still walk around every now and then just snapping it? No, it's funny you say that, though. There's a, I'm doing a, an interview with somebody else today, and I'm going to bring this up. But, like, that is a very distinct, like, I can, I can still do it. Let's, I'll, I'll prove it. Yeah, there we go. I uh, I haven't done it in years, and now I'm going to be walking around my house. My wife's going to think I brought the habit just, back. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, it was my – I played on a baseball team where it was like we, – we used to – I know this is a hacky joke, but we would say uh, our chewing team has a baseball problem because we had like – between JV and varsity, there's like maybe 30 kids, and two of them didn't chew. One of them was a Mormon, and the other one was not Mormon, but he was best friends with the Mormon kid. Yeah, Mormon adjacent. Yeah, uh, Mormon light. Um, okay, is there we John Witherspoon? We talked about yesterday in person because uh, Tacoma Comedy Club opened Grit City Breakfast, uh, and I came in there. I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, start a. I've been trying to start a brunch show there for like three years, and. Uh, Anything to get you in there early, Brian? That's what I want. Um, Listen, I, I really like the early bird comedy shows. I really like those people who are in for a show. Yeah, they know what they're doing and they go home. I appreciate early bird show. Uh, anyway, we were talking about John Witherspoon yesterday, who's another one of those guys that Parlor would get um, because he's famous. What, tell me what this I'm curious about this because you worked at Parlor and this was always curious to me was Parlor would get the most Parlor would get most of the quote unquote urban acts which Parlor was in Bellevue which for people that are listening to this that are not in Washington state Bellevue is like the very rich white part of western Washington why did why was why did they always get the like the majority of the urban acts. Uh I think I, I think uh the 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 book the people that booked the show, the people that booked the show, they they had they had really close ties to some to some Seattle uh so to, to to some Seattle Seattle guys. Mm -hmm. And they, they that that's how they would get their Nick Cannons, their their Witherspoons, DL Hughley's, but also with those guys, we would also have a lot of shit shows. So whoever, sure. whatever agency DL is with, we would have to get to bring four of his. You know, I gotta oh. see Jay Farrow. I gotta see Jay Farrow and uh, Chris Red. I mean, Chris Red was great he, before he got on Funny and Saturday Night Livey. Chris Red was one of my favorites. But you mm -hmm. know, you have to see those. You do. A, you give. You guarantee that you'll put in four of these middle acts. That makes sense. And get one weekend of uh, one weekend of DL. That's interesting. I had never thought of that as the as the reason. But even like I mean, they like JB Smoove was there. Uh, I, I think a bunch of times the there were guys there that I was like I would have loved to see John Witherspoon. I uh, I who was the there was another guy that I was thinking of that only would do Parlor. Um, oh, uh, Donnell Rawlings. I've I want to see Donnell really bad, and he was supposed to be at uh, the new comedy club in Tacoma, uh, Nate Jackson's comedy club. And then obviously we were, we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's been, I think he's had one show in the history of that club or something like that. 
Um, a very unfortunate yeah. time for Nate Jackson to try to open a comedy club. But, mm-hmm. yeah, like Donnell Rollins, uh, uh, it was just, it was always curious to me. But, I mean, I think they sold well, right? Like, they they sold out a lot of shows. Oh, they 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 sold. They sold Donald Rawlings will sell out. Uh, he'll do six shows. He'll sell out five of them. Uh, John Witherspoon uh, sold out every single one of his shows. Uh, the the why I chuckle is I've seen John, you wanted to say I've seen John Witherspoon like four times. Yeah, I've seen Donald Rawlings like four or five times. He would be at the parlor. He was the parlors guy. If a if a ur, if an urban comic. Uh, dropped out where Donnell Rawlings is on the phone. Oh, Donnell Rawlings is it will step in. Him and Carlos Miller were our uh, our fill-ins for for any urban acts that decided to step out. That's that's funny because I think I think the thing about Donnell Rawlings is a couple. There's a couple things about him is uh, he is like a hardworking uh, like road comic, right? Like he is. Everybody knows him as Ashy Larry, but he's like a fucking 25 year comic or something like that been working the road forever he's uh and i think also like a guy who yes everyone knows him as ashley larry but has had like no other real enormous opportunities right he's like a big just he's just like a fucking great comic carlos yeah. miller was on what like last comic standing but yeah last comic standing he was on wild and out but uh donald rollins is is it, you know it's a Chappelle show and and uh and that's it. He had some, some of his Sapelso stories are, are spectacular, but uh, just the other stuff. It's the it's those comics that have been doing this like said twenty five years. Mm-hmm. That can really that that all they need is forty five minutes and they're going to shut the room down every yeah. single time. And those are the ones that I really love. I don't need you to do two and a half freaking hours, Carlos Mencia. Dude, yeah. two and a half hours. Yeah, the I, I need 45, 45 minutes and that's it. Yeah, I've I have a little bit of a theory that the ninety minute comedy show is about fifteen minutes too long anyway. But, um, yeah, that I've heard. I, so, I was friends with the guy that worked with Mencia. Uh, I think when he went till like two or three in the morning, like after the mall was closed, the yeah. comedy club was still open. Did you work there then? Oh, I was there then. Yeah, we had to. You know, we had to pull the alcohol from the table because you can you have to stop serving booze yeah. at one thirty. So we had to pull drinks from people's table, and 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 we had to walk people out. We had to the malls closed. We had to get the cops to walk people out specifically from the back of the room because the rest of the bar is closed. Yeah, everything else is closed except for oh god, except for him making going dee 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 uh, for every fifteen minutes. That's oh oh. Yeah. I don't miss that comedy. I was um we you and I were witness to actually like it's funny because I have like the best set of my life ever was uh oh my god, why can't I think of his name? Um God damn it. Hang on with Mr. Cooper. Why can't I think of his name? Mark Curry. Mark Curry, Jesus. Uh mm-hmm. so the best set of my life was the Friday early show. Um he showed up late. Mm-hmm. So I did they were like, listen, he's not here. We can't get a hold of him. So you just have to <laughs> perform until you get the light. Like you can't you can't come off stage until we give you the light. And I was like, okay, can you just like give it to me give me it like three times in a row to tell me that he's here. Cause 
there's two things you can communicate. It's like, you got to get off the stage soon, or it's like, you've already gone over and he's here. Get the fuck off stage. Uh, so when I was 32 minutes in, as I understand it, is when he walked. I was supposed to do 25 or uh, longer if necessary. Mm-hmm. I was at 32 when he walked in the building, is my understanding. Uh, at 34, I left the stage. I was like, I will say this. I will, I will rarely say this about myself. I was fucking crushing. Uh, at 34, I got off stage. I tried to get off stage, and there was no... The MC was still getting his credits. Uh, so he wasn't available to like come back mm-hmm. on stage. So I was like, well, fuck it. I guess I got to tell a couple more jokes. Told another three minutes of jokes, MCs there, etc. So like the best weekend or the best set of my life. Luckily I have it on video. Uh, I have like, I, I will occasionally like when I'm fucking sad, you just go watch the video because it's like a 70% black audience and, mm-hmm. and giving it to me, like giving it, giving it up. Uh, I've had that like the rest of the weekend, by the way, they were not as into me as that night. <laughs> I remember, I remember that show. Uh, I, again, cause I, I, the ones that stick with me are, are when stuff like that happens. Cause what you as what the audience doesn't see. And sometimes what you is maybe the host don't really get is the franticness when the cop, when the headliner is nowhere to be found. Yeah. How just nuts and how on edge everybody is. But I remember that night because, one, Mark Curry, even though he's he's related to Manny Martin, I love Manny Martin, one of my favorite comics, uh, Mark Curry was an interesting guy. He, uh, <laughs> Wait, I, he, I, I, I didn't know. When, was... he came, when, when he came in for when you were on that stage, you were killing it. And he walked in. He was bull- he, he I was looking at him like, You're, you need to get up there. He's been up there for a half hour. He stood there. He talked to me for two minutes. He walked back. to. He watched you for a second, walked back to the bar for a little bit, oh. and then made his way up front. You know what's funny? I had, this, I had this suspicion, but I was worried that it was my ego taking control, is uh, the next show. So I did really well that show. And I have this joke. I've talked about it probably too much on this podcast, but I have this black friend joke. It's like a nine minute long story about me going to Atlanta to visit my, my, my uh, friend. And what I've noticed is if I tell it, if I have a, if I have 30 minutes and I tell it from like minutes 18 to 27, I'm far enough in that, that when I start it, they're not like, Oh, this guy's probably racist. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause it starts out on like unintentionally, and funny, like kind of rough note is the way I try to start it on yeah. like a rough, like a, a hard transition into the joke. Cause I think that's funny. And usually the crowd laughs, but if I don't have enough time to build their trust, it doesn't go like that. So mm-hmm. I had this suspicion and tell me what you think that he came in and I was like, cause that's like the best that jokes ever gone. I've sent that to the people the joke is about. And they're like, holy shit. Like that is fucking great. <laughs> And, uh, and I've never had more people come up to me after the show. I've never taken more pictures than it was like, truly like a bunch of people where it's like, I have a white friend just like you, or they were like, this is my white friend. I brought him to the comedy show. You are him. Take a picture with both of us. Like I have like, there's four friends out there, sets of friends out there that have a picture with me in the middle of them because that's their white friend. That's their black friend. And it's me in the middle. Right. So, uh, I had the suspicion that he like came in and was like, so before the next show, 
he goes, man, 30 minutes is too long. Uh, you do 15. And then he goes to the host. He goes, you do, uh, seven to start and then do five more before you bring me up. And he's like, okay. And so then he didn't even, I don't, I don't think the MC actually executed that properly. And then the next show, he's like, all right, you can do like, this is as I'm walking on stage. He's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you can do 20 this show. Okay. Well, that's not enough time to tell the manager when to light me. It's not like it's intentionally. It felt slightly it intentionally. In yeah, it felt like a little bit sabotage e sabotaging, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was. I also like ended up, so I got annoyed with him then, and then the next day it was the same thing. It was like, well, you do, uh, can you do 17? And I'm like, okay. So then I go tell the manager 17, and then he changes it to 20 again, like as I'm walking on stage. But in between the first show and the second show, he. Uh, he uh was smoking by the way he smoked so much weed uh and it, and it, i'm not blowing him up because if you were in the building that day you smelled the weed he was smoking like i'm not i'm not telling anyone mm-hmm. secrets uh mm-hmm. and i don't smoke weed but i was sitting in talking to him and i got to throw a couple like uh i have a couple conspiracy theories i'll tell you them off of the uh i have some bay area sports conspiracy theories and he is the right guy to bring up Bay Area sports conspiracy conspiracy theories to. And we really bonded on that. And then, uh, you know, that's not like we've talked since then. But so that's that's funny. And he, the point, the reason that I thought of Mark Curry is he did like two hours. The set, He did multiple, like the last night he did two hours. Uh, and I only stuck around because I was trying to sell shirts. Otherwise, I should have just left. <laughs> like... He and he did at least eighty minutes all the other nights, unnecessarily. Like ever, there was people like people walking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. Those those are again uh, forty five minutes. Forty five minutes is a sweet spot. If you have to go to sixty, that's fine. But once you get past an hour, once it hits that hour five mark, I can literally feel the seconds. Yeah. The the minutes. It just it's just. You can feel it's been too long. You can just—it's like, oh, oh, I don't need. No, that's when you. And and in my head, I'm starting. Okay, that's a drop. That that's a put the mic away moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a laugh. That's the biggest laugh you're gonna get. But it, it always—it's always people chasing laughs. They don't know when to bail. They're always chasing the laughs. Yeah, and that. So that well, the, the other funny thing about that weekend is, uh, I had, I wasn't scheduled to do that weekend. He came to town and he was, uh, in his contract, he was going to bring his own opener and he didn't. So I was like the guy that they could text at 4 PM that lives in Tacoma. Like, you know, what's that? My best of my best ability is availability. Like that's the, uh, I, so I, uh, I wasn't even supposed to be on the show. And it was funny because the first night I was like, um, I've, I've, you you listen to this podcast. I've talked about it a bunch. Like it's really important to me to perform in front of an actually diverse, uh, di- to in front of diverse audiences. Meaning in each audience there's diversity, but also like an all black room. Uh, uh, like in, in front of gay people, in front of whatever. Like everybody, so that I'm like you know th- I want the jokes to be bulletproof, right? I don't want there to be like uh, a crowd that they won't work for. And I've always asked to be i was like can i perform with like an urban headliner please and they're like no of course not 
Look at you. You can't you can't perform with an urban headliner. I was like, come on, I'll, it'll be first off. If I bomb, it'll be funny for all of us. And I don't think I'll bomb. That's my own confidence. Uh, so the first night, I was like, dude, I think I'm just I'm gonna be like a black comic now. I'm gonna I'm the new Gary <laughs> Owen. I'm Casey Owen. I'm moving to yeah. I'm moving to Atlanta, and I'm doing this. I'm moving this to is Atlanta. Gary Owens, get out the fucking way. There's gonna be a whole uh, Tyler Perry. Uh, vertical series of movies starring me it's gonna be and then every show after that was so fucking humbling (laughs) where it was like they went fine still like i don't think they went bad but like the first night it was magical i don't so i'm sure you felt this with sports in comedy you feel this thing where you're like i know the exact time to like to say this punchline i my timing I, you just it's a like flow state in the zone whatever you want to call it where you're like i know exactly what to do right now i am in complete control of these 300 people and that's uh or 250 if you're the fire mar- marshal i think but uh that is a feeling that it's like i rarely get that feeling and I was like, I have figured it out. <laughs> and then the next day it was like, oh, okay. Like there was maybe a little bit working in my favor last night that is not here tonight. And uh, I can, as somebody, again, I I'll, all I do is observe. That's, that's what my job is to watch. And I can kind of, I can see it and I can feel that room too. When it, when it's like anything you say, you could, you can, you're conducting a room. You can be like, oh, laugh. And then blah, 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 laugh, and right. it just—I can wa- you watching the comic up there just killing, and the good ones that know they're doing it, and they get that little cocky ass smile on their face, and they just just loving it. And those are the best, best rooms. Like Tony Rock is by far the the funniest, the funniest person I've ever, ever, ever seen on stage. And I've seen Chris Rock. Tony mm-hmm. Rock, his brother, is hands down funnier. The energy—it felt like Death Comedy Jam in 1992 dancing in the aisles people jumping up and down he did 65 minutes of the funniest tears down your face comedy and the 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 great thing about tony rock is after that show there was a a bachelorette or bachelorette party which which is just as awful as a birthday party yeah maybe worse but there's a bachelorette party that came the woman getting married met tony rock in the uh, meet and greet and she stayed in the green room with him for the rest of the night. This was a 7.30 show. She stayed in the green room with him. She stayed in the green room with him all night. She stayed in the green room, green room with him after the show. Mm-hmm. She stayed in the green room with him until 2 o'clock in the morning when we closed. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, her fiancé is banging on the front doors of the parlor asking where his <laughs> wife is. And... Tony Rock and her had left for the hotel room an hour ago. How do you tell a man that his wife is with Tony Rock in the Hyatt across the way? Yeah, it's tough. I, uh, that's funny. I, I mean, poor guy. <laughs> the, that's, so I, I brought up Arnaz J earlier, uh, that show. I stayed and watched because, um, it's so it's funny to me because Arnaz J is like I barely knew who he was. And I like yeah. I didn't expect him to sell out. And then I've never seen anyone he crushed for eighty minutes harder than I've ever seen anyone crush. 
And that thing you're talking about where people are like, where you can feel the seconds ticking, you you wouldn't have been able to feel it that day. Like, it felt like, I, I just looked down at the clock and I'm like, oh shit, it's been 80 minutes since, you know, mm-hmm. since he since he went on stage. And yeah, that's, and by the way, the thing about Arnaz J, I don't understand what the fuck he's saying. Like, <laughs> like, is, is it, uh, is it, does he, is he the gravelly voice? Is it too fast? It's, which, which one is it? It's, so it's very Southern is, is oh, one of the things. God. And it's just like, he's fast and it's like a little bit, um, oh boy, this is like loaded, but like the, it's like, there's some Ebonics type of shit in there, right? Like, I got there's you. some, I got you. so there's like one, like a, there's just like, you know, I'm sure he's saying words that I know, don't get me wrong, but it's like they're the way that they're I, I'm just like I can't keep up, but like I'm watching elderly women, young women, young men, elderly men fucking losing their minds at the table and watching him and he's not like, you know, he's not like uh he's he's like animated in that he's like loud and has a lot of like vocal inflection. But he's a big dude. He's not run he's not stomping the fucking stage you know what i mean like he's not right he's he's not acting everything out super crazy and that was like a big learning experience is to be like just to watch him and go like oh you don't ever you know this is the thing about it they don't have to stop laughing you don't have to wait till they stop laughing you know what i mean like he Mm -hmm. fucking just annihilated and uh mark vieira i think has a, a similar quality i actually saw uh robert hawkins has like a similar thing where it's like when he gets going, you can, uh, he can just like, he just keeps the, there's like a, a low roar into a fucking, uh, into an eruption all the time. You know what I mean? Bobby Kelly. Uh, who, uh, I've, I've saw Robert Kelly once. He was a little, he was, he was a little, uh, difficult as a person to work with. He was great on stage. Uh, I was a fan, but off stage, he's uh, some, and that's what kills it sometimes with some of these bigger names is the kind of person they are in the green room. Well, let me tell you this about Bobby Kelly. He came to my house and smoked cigars. Um, and we tried to do a Patreon episode of his podcast. And uh, I fucked something up. He doesn't realize that I fucked something up. But I re- realized like two days later that I fucked something up that caused his uh, camera to not get charged. Um, but I can understand why people would find him difficult. He did. We, I love him. He came the next day with another cigar for me. I smoked, I told you I smoked two cigars a year. I smoked three cigars in two days with Bobby Kelly. Cause it was just, I'm not, I'm not telling him no. We went to a pho place and he bought me lunch. Love you, Bobby Kelly. But I get, I get, that's the thing too, is this is, um, doing comedy. And I'm, I'm sure, uh, you get to meet working, like working security. You get to meet people that you admire. And sometimes they ruin it for you. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, so I have one hundred percent what you mean. I have sometimes comics. people are assholes, and I understand that you know the person, the 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 status that you're at, you can be an asshole, but it it really is it. It's eye opening to be like, oh yeah, not every, they're not they're not what they are on TV. They're not the, that nice interviewee that you see on on Good Morning America. This dude's a dick. Yeah. So I have made a point of not like I actually stopped. I don't take pictures with anyone anymore. Even if I love them and admire them, uh I like I have a bunch of semi-famous comedians phone numbers and I'm like 
very much like you're not calling that person, you're not texting that person. Uh there's like a handful of uh out of town comics that I'm like pretty good friends with. And mm-hmm. and some of them are like famous and some of them aren't that famous, right? Like uh and that's fine. I know that like but I know there's like some with with comics specifically, which is probably not true for you. You know that thing where dudes get like super horny and then they can't get laid because everybody can tell they're super horny. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's like yeah. the desperation, <laughs> the sweat of desperation. Yeah. Mhm. And I think comics get that and other comics can smell it pretty quickly. And so I try really hard uh to not have that. So yeah, like I said, no I haven't taken a picture. I took a picture with uh I didn't perform on the show, but I took a picture with Joe Mackey because my wife loves Joe Mackey. And uh I was so goddamn embarrassed to be taking a picture with Joe Mackey. And that's maybe like Mark Normand before I did comedy is the only other time that I've taken a picture. Oh, Mark Norman was great. He killed he killed it comedy club but yeah i like taking pictures because one uh i'm not gonna lie i uh i like i like stunting on facebook yeah Be like i know this famous person yeah and that's kind of why i like the job is because kind of for like a weekend me and Dion cole he knows my name for the weekend yeah. like we're kind of friends for these three days and you know i have uh i have a couple famous people the, the most famous person's number i have in my phone i have uh jay moore's number Ooh. and i have carlos mencia's number Jay Moore uh, was was not. Jay Moore is a little old, and he's uh, he he his jokes really don't really weren't uh, twenty twenty or well, sure. probably twenty eighteen. And uh, it was it was a thing. He got off stage, and I could tell he didn't have anything to do because he's one of those guys. Who's like, hey, you want to hang out? You want to go to see a movie? Like Carlos sure. Mencia and Jay Moore are the only two comics to ask me if they want. I want to go to a movie with. Uh-huh. And they're like, take my number. I'm going to text you. We got to do something. And I'm like, I don't know, buddy. I'm sorry, but I'm keeping this just to show people. But I'm never in my life going to open this up and, and text you again. That's funny. I uh, I think the most famous person I have their phone number is not the, necessarily the most respected comic. But I have Polly Shore's number. And... uh. Polly Shore. I don't have Polly Shore's number because he wanted to hang out. I have Polly Shore's number because he. I did. Uh, I recorded his set to send to him. But it's uh, it's funny because he was he was the last comic book. Sorry. Oh, what did you Sorry. say? He was the last comic. What? He was he was the last comic that we had. He's the last comedy show I saw. He was the last quarantine. His show was oh, in July no like seventeenth. It oh, was wow. the last show I saw. Yeah. Oh, so let me say He's this: the last photo I took. Let me say this about his comedy. You you'll hear comedians shit on Polly Shore, and it's not as bad as they say. It's he is not Tom Arnold, where like Tom Arnold has oh. there's like no act. Oh, bro. Because oh. oh yeah, you guys had Tom Arnold at the parlor, right? Oh, I've seen Tom Arnold a bunch. Uh... Tom Arnold, uh, Tom Arnold likes to ski. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get your podcast in trouble. And I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to tell him to, uh, to wipe some snow off of his face. <laughs> we don't have like to... he was, in, I escorted him to the bathroom. So it's, uh, 
so he could go ski. You uh, you took him on a ski lift. I, I listen at the parlor. I was a guy that could get everything, and there were a lot of there were a lot of people that liked to ski that that you wouldn't think that you wouldn't think. That was yeah. kind of the fun part too. There are a lot of people that like to ski, and there are a lot of people who would bring quote unquote managers with them. That that dude is definitely not your manager. That dude is a life partner, buddy. I know I can see it. Oh, that's funny. I uh a comic, I guess I won't say who it is. They uh every time I met the opener, I didn't realize that she was uh on the show because she would change into a different outfit. She'd go into the green room, change, and come out. And then I've heard a story that there was some uh some um extracurricular going on. But but my point with Polly Shore is I would I wouldn't ever like I'm not trying to get what Polly Shore has, you know what I mean? There's yeah. like like yeah. I I think Bobby Kelly I have Bobby Kelly's phone number. I would uh I actually did send him a text to ask him a very specific camera question because I saw this thing that he was doing with his camera and I think that probably just out of a, an abundance of caution that I might bother him a lot more, he didn't text me back. Um, which is, that's fine. That's like the one interaction. We can be good on that. I've yeah, still, yeah, yeah. you still smoke cigars in my garage. I'd like to be able to just come out of this with the people that I admire and respect, still admiring mm-hmm. and respecting them. Right. And so that's kind of yeah. my, uh, I have, uh, my favorite comic is Joe list. I have Joe list's phone number. Uh, I will not use Joe list's phone number because I want to keep liking Joe list. And I want, and I also don't want Joe list to like uh not want me to ever talk to him again you know what i mean yeah i saw joe list i've seen two times he's never done a weekend he always does like a tuesday he did a tuesday at the parlor and he did like a tuesday or thursday at uh, tcc and i've seen him twice and he was hilarious yeah it's funny because the guy that i so every time he's come to tacoma comedy club since I mean, I emceed for him one time. Actually, it was a split weekend. Him and Miss Pat, which is a funny. Uh, I could not think. I could not think of two less similar people than <laughs> Joe List and Miss Pat. But, uh, but I did. Uh, I did the weekend, and the guy that I'm I'm interviewing later today is actually the. He was the middle because I emceed a dude named Brent Pella at uh, Tacoma Comedy Club when he did the one item. I've done, I've seen him do full weekends, but yeah, he's, he has friends in Seattle. That's the other thing is like his wife is a comic. Like, like I'm never going to open for Joe list on a regular basis. His wife is a great comic who he could, they could do the road together. So listen, I like his comedy. He's very nice to me when I see him. I think he remembers me. He's mentioned me on his podcasts before. Like that's great. Can you imagine like, when I'm like, I want more out of that dude than that. Like he, he was talking to Tommy Jonakin on his, uh, mindfulness podcast. And he, Tommy Jonakin, by the way, was like my favorite comic before I knew who Joe list was. And then, uh, Joe list became my favorite comic. And he's like, yeah, I did this zoom show with this dude, Casey McLean. And he's got this great bit and describes one of my bits. And I'm like, Oh fuck this guy will never, I could never do anything. I I can't ever ruin this. That's all you need. Yeah. I uh that's that's part that's part of the reason why I'm so nice to you comics. Not no, I'm not nice to just be nice. I'm not expecting. You know, I know you're going to be big time and 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 when you are big time, you're going to need an old uh 
old school security guy that'll stand in a yeah. black suit behind you. That's but that's why I'm so nice with comics. The the greatest thing for me, the the thing that tickles me to no end, is when they mention me on their podcast. Like Mark Norman mentioned me on a pot on a podcast. They never remember my name, but then it's always <laughs> a big security card, and I love it. Oh, that's funny. Well, you got this is like a whole podcast mentioning you. I actually have to uh, do that other interview and get a fill up my water, so I'm gonna let you go. But thank you All for right, doing but- it. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put your Twitter and Instagram on here. Do you have anything else you want me to promote? Uh, not right now. Uh, no, Twitter, Instagram's good. Yeah, follow that. Uh, my kids are awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, my kids are better than everybody's kids. Ninety-nine percentile. <laughs> but every time I go to the doctor for my kids, I think of you because I get the I get this and ninety-nine on this side next to my kid's name. <laughs> yeah, my my daughter's big, but uh, your kids dwarf her. I think. I don't know if you can say dwarf anymore. All right. Thank you, Brian. I, uh, oh, God. All right, Casey. All right. <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed, Brian, and I hope that you enjoy this abbreviated uh, outro because. Let's see. I've allotted three hours to do uh, two podcasts. I recorded another interview after I talked to Brian. Um, and I'm approaching the end of those three hours. And listen, uh, you're probably not listening to this until... Because I like to talk about current events a little bit at the end of at the end of the podcast. Because I know that you don't come here for me. You come here to listen to guys like Brian talk about their life. And so... After that, I'd like to indulge a little bit. I might be moving some of that kind of stuff uh, to Patreon. We'll see. Patreon.com slash the Casey McLean. Um, go check that out. Please support uh, struggling, a struggling artist in this tough time. <laughs> um, all right. Brian's a good dude. But uh, I would like to talk about sports that are not being played by his, his children. Robinson Cano. This is the only thing I'm talking about, by the way. Uh, I'm getting, oh no, I'm getting an antibody test. On Friday, I'm getting an antibody test. And uh, this podcast will come out on Wednesday. But I am very, very, very excited that antibody tests became um, affordable. And if you're, this is, uh, nobody's paying me to advertise this. Fred Meyer slash Kroger or whatever is doing... $25 antibody tests. They used to be like $125, and I think you needed a a referral, and you had to go to a a lab, and now you just go to the Fred Meyer or Kroger Pharmacy. $25. If you don't know, shout out to past podcast guest Todd Royce, who told me about it, and now he's letting me go take a test and not taking one himself. So I'm a little bit of his canary in the coal mine, so he better be shouting me out at some point. Um, Robinson Cano tested positive for performance enhancing drugs yet again. And I'm a Mariners fan. I also like Robinson Cano. Uh, I was very happy when the Mariners signed him. I thought it would signal the Mariners attempting to win. They, they went half in, they didn't go all in. They spent a lot of money on this one guy. And then it seemed like kind of went half ass a little bit after that. When you sign a guy who's like 32 at the time, 
You're like, we're going to be stuck with this contract forever, for 10 years. So you better try to win in those first couple of years. You don't have a lot of time. The dude's going to be out of his prime. And then somehow they managed to get out from a big chunk of the money of that contract and trade the Mariners traded for Jared Kelnick, who's one of their top prospects in their farm system, a system that's considered one of the better farm systems in baseball. But that's not the point. Robinson Cano has again tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. And the last, I feel the same way right now as I did the last time. Even though I know he broke the rules and he's suspended and it hurt his team in both cases, it's kind of flattering to me as a baseball fan or previously as a Mariners fan uh, that Cano is still, he still cares enough to, to risk his career to be better at baseball. So if that's because he wants to be better for his team or he cares about his legacy, those are two things that I actually find endearing. So the world is shitting on Robinson Cano right now, and I understand that. He is going to miss the entire 2021 season, and I get it. He's worth, it's it's worth shitting on him, I guess. But there's something kind of flattering about that, right? That he cares enough about, being a good baseball player, that he's still, uh, he got the big contract. That's the point. A lot of people, there's like speculation that they try hard only up until they get a big contract or they would take steroids in a contract year so that they would put up bigger numbers and get a bigger contract. That's obviously not why Robinson Cano is doing steroids because he's on the last contract he'll ever be on, especially now. But even before then, his his 10-year contract was going to end when he was 42 years old. And probably not good anymore. So I kind of find it flattering, ultimately. I find it endearing. I'm not mad at Robinson Cano, and that's fine. I'm, I I understand that it's uh, it's every fan gets their own opportunity to be mad, but I'm not mad at him. And I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think we got to let these uh, these steroid guys in. Okay, it's uh, it's Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving is problematic, um, I guess, in the woke uh, 20-year-old sense of problematic, capital P, problematic. But it is a time when we all have time off, and if you're spending time with your family, even if you're sending them to an early grave by infecting them with COVID-19, at least enjoy dinner. Huh? At least enjoy dinner. I'm spatchcocking my turkey, which sounds illegal. Dry brine, spatch, cock. I've gotten a lot of uh, comics. This is this is nice, by the way. I cook a lot. And I've had a, a fair amount of comics ask me for a little bit of cooking advice. And I like that. Don't ask me for comedy advice. I don't know what to tell you. But cooking? I'll help you out. All right. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, uh, Untapped, Facebook, at the Casey McLean. Find my clips and share them. They're on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please tell a friend, a loved one, a coworker. Give it a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And uh, thank you for sharing some part of your Thanksgiving week with me. I'll talk to you next week.